Hey guys, check out Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp, a fully updated second edition, reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. To pick up a copy today, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Welcome to Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. My name is Joy Livingston and I'm standing in for Stevie Kim. And Stevie and Laika are in Monte Falco right now and they, their internet connection is is a bit funny, I think, um, or they're in a winery with lots of echo. But nonetheless, I'm taking over tonight. And tonight we have Fanny Broy, who will be interviewing Elena Pantaleoni. So Fanny is from Angers in the Loire and has always been into wine. And she studied agronomy, engineering and enology. Worked as a winemaker in France, Italy and Chile and then as a salesperson for a wine importer in the USA. And in 2008, she founded her company, Genuine Wines, uh, with a deep willingness to help wine growers located in lesser known or underappreciated wine regions. But that had uh, great potential, and she started with the Jura and Emilia Romagna, and since then, she's been helping them with their export markets as part of a team. And aside from her main activities within export, she also has a small Italian wine importing venture in France, and she also works on La Badens, a wine project. She makes wines along with uh, Thomas Wee, a fellow wine lover. So, Fanny, that was uh, that was a lot of uh, words that I may have mispronounced. But um, how are you doing today? Thank you, Joy. I'm doing very well. Um, hi, everyone. You didn't mispronounce anything. Actually, you did a very good job for all French words. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess before I basically stop talking, I should ask you why you chose Elena Pantaleoni to interview tonight. So um, for many reasons, uh, mostly because I think Elena is a person who knows how to prove her own road and to trust her own beliefs. This is how she led the estate into organic farming and working without any chemical additions very early on at a time where no one was talking about natural wines. And she continued the work of her father, who always wanted to produce quality wines. Uh, in Emilia-Romagna, you can't rely on the reputation of the appellation to sell your wines. Instead, you have to prove that your wines are of quality because the region is unfortunately uh, well known for quality. So there's lots of works, lots of fairs, lots of people to meet to taste your wines. 
And above all, um, you have to know how to keep your focus. And today, uh, I know she inspires many winemakers, and I'm very happy to spend this hour in her company to discuss the wines and introduce her to, to people who are not yet acquainted with Elena and La Stoppa. That's great. So on the geekier side, is there any specific points that you really want the audience who's, uh, you know, to take home with them uh, after the conversation today? First, uh, the importance given to the autochthonous grapes variety in this uh, small Colli-Piacentini region, which has always been uh, an important topic for, for many of us. Uh, also, an introduction to the wines produced uh, from the white grapes in this region, which are vinified uh, world cluster at La Stoppa with a full skin maceration and also for the importance of uh, craftsmanship in the production of unique wines far from standardization and this has always been Elena's focus and I think this is really important today to be away from standardization this is a, a topic that will never be so important than now. That's great. So I guess without further ado then, I should mention that this conversation is going to be replayed on the Italian Wine Podcast uh, in a couple weeks. And at the end, I will come back after your conversation and find out if there's any questions for either of you. Elena, are you there? Yes, I am. Perfect. Okay, so I guess my, uh, I will just stop talking now and I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys after. Thank you, Joy. Hi, everyone. Uh, let me introduce you... Elena, Elena Pantaloni, and I will share with you uh, shortly her bio. Elena was born in Piacenza in 1965. She's native from Colli Piacentini, where she makes wine today. She's the last of three siblings, and she has a brother and sister. She first started working with books and music and had her own store in Piacenza. In 1991, Elena Pantaloni took over the family estate La Stoppa, located in Rivergaro on the first slopes of the Apennine Mountain, and worked accompanied by Giulio Armani. The domain extends over 58 hectares, of which 30 are planted to vines, and the remaining 28 are left to nature. La Stoppa was bought by her family in 1973, and before was run by a lawyer named Giancarlo Ageno, who discovered the place to be up for winemaking and started the production of wine with significant and curious names such as Bordeaux, B-O-R-D-O, or Pinot, P-I-N-O. Since the mid-90s, La Stoppa decided to mainly cultivate the lapes, uh, Barbera and Bonarda for reds, Malvasia di Candia Aromatica, Ortrugo and Trebbiano for the whites. All focus and the vineyard is made uh, according to organic methods, certified by Swallow and Salute. And the cellar, wood aging of the wine allows the wine to breathe and mature slowly. This is a necessary practice for the wine of La Stoppa, which are made from grape grown in a hot and dry climate. And bottle aging is also a very important process uh, to improve and balance every element of the wine. Uh, at La Stoppa, production is made with no desire to follow trends. Uh, in, nine, in 2014, Elena was one of the four producers in the movie of Jonathan Nassiter, La Résistance Naturelle. And it is without question that Elena Pantaloni is an inspiring woman for many winemakers, especially those making artisan wines. She is also very supportive to the wine growers in her region and spreading the words about wine from Colibri Piacentini and their specificity. Ciao, Elena. <laughs> Ciao. Thank you. Thank you for this introduction. 
<laughs> so let's start the interview. The general question to start. Can you introduce us, Lastopa, uh, the location, where is it, and the specificity of your wine region? Yes. So Lastopa, as you mentioned, is on Colli Piacentini area. So Piacenza is between Milano and Parma. So is the low, is the northern and the western province of uh, Emilia Romagna, very close to Lombardy and to Piedmont. That's why our main varieties are Barbera and Bonarda. And for example, we don't plant Lambrusco in our area, which is the main um, variety for the rest of Emilia. And um, all the area is about 5,000 hectares of vines, only on the hills. So potentially quality production, because the hills are lower, And um, we are on the first hills at about 250 meters on the sea level on very red clay, so very rich in iron, very poor in nitrogen. So that's why we make these uh, long aging wines mainly. What made you decide to take over the domain in 1991? Fortunately, because my father passed away and uh, my mother at that time asked me to try to help her and to give an opportunity to myself and to my family to take over something that uh, wasn't really my dream or my goal, no? to have uh, a winery, but mostly my, my father. Uh, vision and my father uh, dream and so at that time I was 26 and I said to myself yes I can do it and um, so I I came uh, in a very um, I would say humble way because uh, the estate was already established and there were people working here so you mentioned Giulio that he's still working with me he started in 1980 so he was here already and I gave myself an opportunity too no? to make this job and to find uh, the way to um, to make this job more closer to me no? to my because as you mentioned I had a bookshop this is my other part passion, reading and, and books. And, and so it was, a, I would say it was a sad opportunity. It was a sad moment no? because my father passed away. So, But at the end, it was a good reason, a good, uh, um, a good thing. At the end, I have to say that. I wasn't born with, my, with wine as a passion. No? So this was something that came along in time. In the 1980s at La Stoppa, there were parcels of traditional French grapes, uh, Chardonnay or Sauvignon, Cabernet Sauvignon. Can you explain what made you change the vineyard's grape variety from French to local grapes? After a few years I was here, we were making Pinot Noir, we were making Sauvignon Blanc and uh, and then I said um, we, we have to work on identity. I always asked in the past and also now I always asked myself why people come here to buy the wines, why we can sell our wines all over the world Uh, because this is not a very known appellation. And so to make Sauvignon Blanc or to make Pinot Noir, I thought that even if it was very good, it was always a copy of something that was already done from others. And so I didn't want to make um, a copy, even a beautiful copy. So I thought it was better to make something with, uh, with more identity and working with more local varieties, uh, such as Barbera and Bonarda and Malvasia mainly, uh, that are very suitable for this climate, for this type of soil, to give more personality and identity to the wines and to the estate. That was the reason. So I started in 96 to replant. So every year, one, one hectare, two hectares. We started from Pinot Noir, from Sauvignon, and then, then also Cabernet. And Yes. I think 
overall, you wanted to produce wines that really reflect the, the area, the terroir from which the grapes are from. Can you tell us more how do you work in the vineyard and how do you work in the salon? Yes, so we are certified organic since long time. As I mentioned before, the soil is very rich in iron, very poor in nitrogen. So climate, you know, talking about climate now is kind of a, a tricky thing, but usually here is quite dry and windy. And so during all these years, we thought that long aging wines with structure were the more suitable for this type of place. And so we work very few in the in the vineyard. So we just cut the grass and we work, we make a very super superficial uh, work of the soil and uh, we work uh, mainly by hand so we make some treatments with uh, copper and sulfur of course with the tractor all the rest is made by hand pruning and harvesting of course and then in the cellar we make spontaneous fermentation we don't use sulfites during vinification so we want to preserve uh, the characteristic of the place and of course also of the vintage so we change uh, every vintage according to the quality of the grape the time of skin contact uh, or the, the type of working. We use mainly um, inox tanks for the um, fermentation and the maceration. We have some concrete tanks too and then uh, big uh, barrels in, uh, in wood for the aging for most of our wines. So we are very um, respectful and we try to, to preserve you know, the characteristic of the place and of the vintage in every, in every wine and every vintage. From a more general point of view, Uh, you are very sensitive to craftsmanship and this guides the choices for collaboration with suppliers in the wine world and, and even beyond. How do you see this world of craftsmanship today and um, does it have a, suffi a sufficient uh, place? Talking especially of Italy, the, really the, um, the strength of Italy is all these small artisans in any field that really is, I think, the strongest point of our country. And I'm also an artisan. So I prefer to give my money to someone like me that works very good way in terms of quality, in terms of passion. And it's a small thing. But I always say we have very, very few freedom. Uh, but for sure, we are free to choose every day how to spend our money and how to spend our time. And so I prefer to spend my money with artisans instead of industry. And in a way, I think I support this type of companies. It's, a, it's not, I don't think they have sufficient place in our time, the work of craftsmanship. But I, I like to, to be one of the few, maybe, that support them. I like to deal with them also, because if there is a problem in, in any field, or in a machine or wherever, I can talk directly to the people who make this tool or whatever, no? or a bottling machine or, what, or a pump. Or, and so it's a very, it's a more interesting conversation. I think, no, with these people. Yes. Yes, it's true. Um, well, back to the wine. La Stoppa produces uh, many red wines uh, from Barbera and Bonara. We, we, we talked about it just previously. Can you describe the wine range you produce at the domain? Yes. So we make um, an entry-level wine called uh, Trebbiolo, which is um, uh, also Barbera and Bonarda from young vines or from the lowest part of the vineyards. Uh, in the vineyards that have berries that are big, 
thicker, so there is a different relationship between skin and juice, and uh, so they are more suitable to make uh, this type of fresh uh, and easy-drinking wine that make no aging in wood, just uh, inox, and so we release the wine uh, more or less one year after the harvest. And this is the first, uh, the entry-level wine, Trebbiolo. And then we have Macchiona, which we think is the most representative wine of our estate. So also Barbera and Bonarda, usually is 50-50. And this is the selection from all vines, from the upper part of the vineyard, so where the berries are smaller. And we make about one month on the skins. They are not co-fermented because Barbera ripes before Bonarda, so at about 10-15 days before. Um, and then we make the, um, the blending and it's a very long aging wine in, uh, in big barrels. So these wines could be Guturno, which is the oldest the DOC of our area. We are out of the DOC because we chose like this for many reasons, but these are very traditional, uh, traditional wine. We stopped uh, making uh, sparkling wines in the 2014, so we are just making still wines. And so with Barbera and Bonarda together, we make these two wines. And then we make a Barbera 100% called the Campo Romano, and uh, it's vinified like uh, Macchiona, so a long maceration, about 40 days, and then a long aging in, uh, in barrel. And these are uh, the three wines that we make out of uh, Barbera and Bonarda. The grapes. There is not only white grapes, there are also whites. And one of the grapes is Malvasia di Candia Aromatica or Trugo, so very local grape. What's the specificity of these grapes and what type of wine do you, do you produce? Let's talk about Malvasia di Candia Aromatica. We know there are different Malvasia. Yours is the specific Malvasia di Candia Aromatica. Our Malvasia is the, among the most aromatic ones, so it's very close to Moscato that maybe is more known as a very as a, as a quite big cluster and is quite productive as a very thick skin but the specificity of, of the grape is really this uh, aromaticity is really very fruity very interesting grapes and also is very in a way is rustic it doesn't suffer too much of uh, rain or bad conditions so it's very resistant and in Italy yes I think there are uh, like 16 different type of uh, grapes, all called Malvasia. There are also some red Malvasia, some uh, non-aromatic, but this one is mainly cultivated in Piacenza, in Parma, and more or less this is the source of this this variety. And we make uh, two wines out of this grape. One is a Geno, that is our dry white wine. We only make one dry white wine, and it's with very long skin contact maceration, about four months, three, four months, and the percentage of Trebbiolo and Dortrugo now is very low because uh, we planted more Malvasia so now it's mainly 90% 95% Malvasia and we have been making this wine since 2002 so it's 20 years that we've been making it we, so we stopped making the Sauvignon Blanc in 95 and then we were without any dry white wine for uh, 7 years and we were thinking that if we want to make a wine that really reflects the, um, the place why changing the vinification according to the color of the grapes? 
So probably in this area, it's more suitable. It's better to make a wine also with white grapes as a red, you know, with long skin contact maceration. And, um, and the Geno is the name of the founder of the estate. So it was like a, an homage to, to the first person who really gave value to this place. And then we make a sito. So um, we lay the grapes outside in the sun in order to concentrate the sugar. And we make, now it's called Vino del Volta. And it's a Malvasia Passita, so a dessert wine, sweet wine. These are the two wines that we make with Malvasia. Just about the sweet Malvasia, uh, here we just talked before how much this is important to make wine, taking uh, care of the environment. And here, uh, this is a great example, right? You are in a, you have a warm and dry after season and to, to produce the sweet wine. Yes, of course, the, the quantity of, uh, of sugar raised we, we have been making this wine since 95 so mm -hmm. at the beginning for sure the wine was less sweet now is uh, sweeter but still uh, has a good uh, balance among uh, acidity among um, uh, freshness and um, mm -hmm. and sweetness yes mm -hmm. italian wine podcast part of the mama jumbo shrimp family I agree. <laughs> uh, I have always heard you saying um, that the wines need time. The wines made at La Stoppa, they need time to develop their full expression, their complexity, their potential. What are the vintage available today? Uh, and do you still have a reserve wine uh, that you, you continue selling? Our current release of Barbera, of Campo Romano, for example, is 12. So we have... Uh, We haven't made all the vintages, um, but we still have a lot of vintages after 12. And uh, of Macchiona, we, we go back until 2002. We don't have all the vintages, but we have 2002, 6, 9, 10, and 12 on sale. And we just released uh, 14, just in Magnum, because it was a very difficult vintage, a lot of rain, so we, we could make just few liters, so we decided to make just Magnum. So the only reason we can have all the wines to sell is that we produced more uh, that we usually sell and this is the only way to keep some bottles and for us it's very important to have all the wines on sale to show that the really the aging potential that these wines have and also because this region is most known for very um, easy and young wines but uh, it's not just that we can make very very long aging wines also in Emilia and does it mean that the vintage are ready one after another or, or can you it, or it doesn't matter if you you can switch from uh, um, uh, vintage uh, 12 and then 14 or back to 9 to yes 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 we for example in the case of talking about Macchiona we released before 13 and then uh, afterwards 12 because uh, 
every vintage has a different profile and uh, so there are vintages that are uh, ready before there are vintages that need more time and so um, we have this freedom not in order to give a better wine for our clients now we decide to keep some some vintages longer and some others to release before and, and do you feel the customers uh, realize the luck to play like this with different vintages um, how is it welcome to the market It depends on the markets, it depends on the people. Of course, it, it's a challenge always. Uh, a good part, uh, a big part of my of my time and my my is also to choose the the right client for this type of wines. We don't make millions of bottles. It's very important to choose the right clients that really can um, appreciate what we do and and when they trust us. They trust us also, and they and they follow us also on this um, changing of uh, vintages, and uh, so it's just a question of wine and. And I give you the wine when it's ready and when it's good to to be drunk. So, um, of course, Trebbiolo is a different story. You no, know? Trebbiolo is the entry level wine. We release twenty uh, one. Now we are selling twenty one. In few months, we will release twenty two and. And this is more uh, normal, I would say. But the other wines, no. People um, like also that. And also a Geno. A Geno we released before 17, and then we released 19 and 16 together, and then we released 18, and now we released 20. And, um, yeah, no, no, it's... Um, People understand. <laughs> so, so a, a vintage is um, a little like a, the witness of a moment. Now, how was the the climate all along the season? Um, having still the 2012 reminds you how was the vintage. Do you see changes re more recently with the more recent vintage, or, or, or not that much? Yes, we we see. Things change uh, very um, uh, fast. So, for example, uh, in the last four vintages, 19, 20, 21, and 22, we had um, surprisingly more production. Um, the wines are lighter in a way. And we had, uh, in total, I mean, in ge generally speaking, no, in terms of Of wine, we have fresher wine. So we had rains in the in the good period, not much, but we had rain. We had um, um, cooler periods too. And what 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 has changed is that uh, really um, the seasons are not so uh, as before. No, so spring was. I don't know, rain and, and cool weather and then summer and then now it can rain in summer, it can be very warm in springtime. So it has changed in terms of um, um, we have a lot of rain all in once, no, can be also. And uh, but uh, you know, if you work with um, with nature, you have also to accept that uh, things change, and uh, also accept that uh, you have to adapt yourself to the place you, where you are and to the and to the conditions that you can't control. And the wines will be the result of these uh, changements. Um, and this is the way 
we you have to deal with nature. Otherwise, it's better to change job because you can't control a lot of things when you make wine. All the risks to take yes. along the, the winemaking. Um, so without ever positioning yourself as a leader, um, you are along with uh, friends of yours. I'm thinking of uh, Elisabetta Foradori or well, uh, Giusto Chipinti. You are a mentor to, to many winemakers uh, who work also, uh, who makes also artisanal wines. Where do you find you the inspiration to move <laughs> forward? <laughs> no, I think um, I still enjoy a lot my, my life. Because, you know, after a while, you don't consider your job uh, just a job. This job is, uh, is our life. And uh, it gave me so much and still gives me much in terms of satisfaction and passion and good people uh, around. I believe that we can do some, uh, some changes. I believe in every person who can, uh, of, of the power of each single person. And um, I am lucky to, to be... I have a lot of young people around me and um, that works with me or that follow us. And, and this, to see these young people so um, uh, serious on, on, on environment, on, uh, on this idea of the community, you know, and also to, be, to see that a different way of making money, in a way, you know, to, making, to make a company is possible in uh, putting ethic, putting respect as a goal. No? And, and, and anyway, these, um, these estates can be prof profitable uh, without thinking all the time at money. I don't know if I can explain well what I'm thinking. So this, this gives me the, the, the inspiration and the strength to, to go forward and to... And to Well, uh, and to follow with, uh, with our ideas, with our wines, and to use our bottles as a media, no? to talk about the, the choices that we took and, um, and, and of course, how, how privileged, how lucky we are no? to, to work in nature, to live in beautiful places, and, and, to, and to have people listening to us also. <laughs> And so it's also <laughs> like a big, yes, a, it's also a big responsibility, but um, um, but makes we only make wine with consciousness and with passion, and we are we try to be serious. And this is something that we can share with a lot of people. And if we can also be like an example of making a good company with uh, good people around. Uh, Uh, respecting the people, respecting the place, the soil, the environment. It's, it's a lot. So it's, uh, yes, it's something that still inspired me. Yes, my job. <laughs> and the people I have around. Mm. <laughs> Merci, and I think this is uh, good words. Um, I'm arriving almost to the end of my question, but uh, if uh, any of the audience, uh, if you have a question, you, you can use the chat. Um, uh, don't hesitate. Um, it's, uh, it's going a little outside of Italy, but you also do wines in Chile. Uh, yes also from local grapes, from Chilean local grapes. So does it help, does it, making wines outside of Italy, does it help you also 
understanding more what you do in Italy? Is it helpful to 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 have different experience? It's twice harvest a year. It's good <laughs> to train. <laughs> is it a plus for you to continue understanding more where you are and where you live? Yes, for sure. What helped us uh, a lot, helped me, is to be open and curious and and taste a lot of wines and, and visit a lot of places where people make wine. And this uh, helps a lot to open your mind and to focus more um, on identity. So um, also Chile, you know, Chile... It's such an amazing place because um, it's the only place in the world where I, where I saw thousands and thousands of hectares of plants without, um, um, how do you say, progress, without um, uh, rootstock. No, how do you say? Uh, we, we, uh, see, uh, yeah, yeah, the rootstock, that's, um, yeah, this is where, yeah. this is the word. <laughs> progress, progress. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so, and, and they have uh, like 200, 300 years old plants uh, of Pais, uh, of uh, Moscatel d'Alexandria, of, uh, see, they, they don't have any autochtone varieties, but um, the, the, the Spanish people know, they, they, the conquerors went there and, and like 500 years ago. Um, and so, and then you see all these uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile or um, Chardonnay or Sauvignon, and they have such a treasure, uh, so full of identity and full of tradition, and it's a very, um, f- like, farming, it's part of the, of the life of the people, not this type of wine that you, that you drink during parties and... And so, of course, yes. Uh, every every travel, every experience is also is always very in, in, enriching, enriching, enriching. Yes, see, it's a tough uh, organization to have two two vin two harvest in one year and so far away. But uh, I guess. but it's interesting. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> busy person. Um, thank you very much, Elena, um, for for your time. Um, I was very happy to, to to share with everyone your your experience and and also this um, pioneer uh, position, no? being in a, a lesser known region and and doing wines of high quality, um, far from uh, the, the the usual and what's easy, no? uh, keeping the wine so long time, aging, not being afraid of uh, selling uh, two. Um, I'm very admi- admirative and um, I think this is uh, really a, a chance for our wine world. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, Fanny. And um, if I can add something. Fanny came uh, to, um, to our estate in... Uh, what were 99 98 was uh, 90, 99 yes she arrived here to make a stage and uh, from that moment we always we have always been friends and also you Fanny was such a, a great uh, experience to to get to know you and she she has she was a hard uh, very very hard worker <laughs> <laughs> It was nice working uh, in this great uh, domain. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to you and uh, to all uh, of the people of this um, Italian wine uh, community. And uh, thank you for the people who are listening. Thank you so much. Uh, well, that was that was fantastic. I um, I did. Uh, I'm not sure there's any questions. I do have a question though, or two actually. I noticed on your website you have an enotourism thing going yes. on. Yes. Do you guys grow a lot of your food on your, yes. on your property, and and then you make it? What kind of things do you do for the enotourism, and like you pair it with your wines, or? Yes. So I think it's very important to leave uh, our to have our wineries open to visitors, and so we are organized uh, our team in order to have uh, people that speak languages and can attend people uh, that want to sh- to see where the wines are produced. We opened a restaurant, uh, free lunches, free services a week, so Tuesday, Friday and Saturday. So you can come and visit or you can come and visit and have lunch. And we have added uh, in the last years uh, some other productions, such as uh, the first were uh, bees for the honey. And then we have a big uh, vegetable garden and we mainly cook uh, our vegetables. And then in the last two years, we added chicken and goose and duck and so we have the eggs and um, and so this is also very important because you know people come here and are ready to pay for the visit because we make wine and uh, to have this part more um, like farming part gives me the, um, the opportunity to talk about farming and to talk about how important is uh, what we eat every single day um, and also is uh, something that we wanted to to add to to the production of wine this is what we we do so okay so with the the farming and the and the vineyards and i i could be wrong here i i'd heard last year there was quite an issue with water um did you have any problems with water and if you did uh how did we you have deal a, with it? Yes, we but not on not on the vineyards by now. Uh, hopefully, won't, won't be in the future. Of course, with the vegetable garden, yes, it's more an issue. What we did, uh, for example, we we use a lot of things also to 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 transform. For example, like the tomato sauce. Um, so we had uh, much less tomato sauce, but was uh, very good. Of course, uh, you have to choose uh, for the vegetables. You need water. We make less, and well, and that's it. Yes, still is tasty. Okay, no, that was. I was just wondering because I know that you know last year it was really hot, so then a lot of people were complaining about the water, and so then you know I'm assuming this year will be the same. But it seems like you already, um, it's fine. It's 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 not a problem. For the for the vineyards, I mean, we also planted uh, two new vineyards uh, last year. And yes, they, they are not really suffering at the moment. For the vines, for the rest, uh, they are old, the roots are uh, very deep. Uh, at the moment, no problem. But it's true that we produce very, very low. So we don't, we don't push too much the production. So Well, Fanny, Elena, I think this brings us to the end of our discussion. I don't see, oh, I see something. What does this say? Ah, Andre Bakilin. Hi, Andre. <laughs> awesome. Hi, Andre. He he want to say hello, uh, and also from uh, Francesco Pascucci, ah. that you know very well, and uh, he's he's tasting his wines right now. <laughs> Bene, thank you. 
<laughs> from far away from Letonia. <laughs> so it's not a I'm question, just, just a adding, comment. <laughs> yeah, I'm adding uh, an important information. We are the Stopa is celebrating the 50 years uh, mm-hmm. this year. So Elena, she's not doing only one event. It's uh, the festival for the whole year, and also she has organized in the domain different events uh, once a month. You can meet, uh, of course, you can taste La Stopa wines. It's uh, the birthday party but she also gather with um, friends or the winemakers and this is a very nice way that explains also how she's now when I was saying supporting wine growers well it's you can go and taste in April it was with Piemonte producers then there are from uh, Sicily or, um, or Trento so that's very nice and uh, happy birthday Elena <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, a bientôt. Okay, good night, you guys. Thank you so very much. And thank you to everybody who is who's listening. And there will be another clubhouse likely next Thursday as we do this every Thursday. And uh, thank you to everyone. Elena, Fanny, thank you for for everything tonight. That was a great conversation. Thank you. Goodbye. Have a good night. You too. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.